This episode is brought to you by Trillium Aesthetics. Let's face it, the weird look is having a moment. When you look around at celebrities, strange looking eyes, overfilled lips, puffy cheeks, and faces that don't seem to move at all are common. You've probably started seeing this around you at the store or when you're out with your friends. Trillium Aesthetics is the place to go for non-surgical treatments that keep people wondering, did she have something done? What does she do to get such beautiful skin? The team at Trillium Aesthetics prides itself on results that whisper, but don't shout. If you're looking for non-surgical treatments to brighten up a dull winter complexion, add a little pout to your lips, or erase some pesky smile lines, call the team at Trillium Aesthetics. Schedule online on their Instagram page at Trillium underscore aesthetics, or visit the website trilliumaesthetics.com. Welcome to The Trillium Show, where we help you make the changes you want to see in your body, in your mind, and in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Hall. Welcome back to The Trillium Show. So this is part two of a two-part series with Dr. Deborah Durst with Revitalize MD, um, and we are talking all about hormones, hormone replacement, lasers, and other interesting topics which are coming up in this show. So if you missed part one, please go back and check it out. You don't have to listen to it to get the gist of what's going on in part two, but it's certainly interesting. It was certainly interesting for me to do. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Deborah Durst and Faraday Golombieski, her nurse practitioner. External labioplasty is something you know, we do a lot of and are doing more of all the mm-hmm. time. What do, what do women who are looking for internal vaginal rejuvenation, what are the symptoms that bring them in? And then how how does the laser help with that? So it's interesting because like the hormones and the sexual vaginal rejuvenation they kind cross of cross over, a lot. over a lot because so if somebody comes in with hormone complaints, like the whole list of questions also goes through yeah. a lot of sexual questions, you know, vaginal dryness, pain, orgasms, whether it's clitoral, whether it's vaginal. So, you know, even what their drive is, you know, all of that because they cross over. So if they're coming with hormone complaints, we're almost talking to them about sexual wellness too. And if they come with sexual wellness, again, we've already we're talked talk to them about, about that cell optimization. So if they want vaginal rejuvenation, we talk to them about like how to optimize again results and lasting results. So they tend to complain urinary incontinence. So a lot of them have had children, you know, yeah. so just the weight of the pregnancy obliterates like the support of the urethra. So that's our urinary younger women. Incontinence, urinary incontinence and vaginal laxity, yep, laxity from pregnancy. decreased orgasmic strength is a huge one in perimenopause and menopause. And so it's going to go down with time. Men and women both have changes with time, different changes. Absolutely. And so vaginal dryness, pain, pain with, with sex, intercourse, all yeah. of that. So Laxity, urinary incontinence, pain, vaginal dryness, and orgasmic changes. Those are the big things that they're complaining about. And it depends on the age, depends on the patient. Absolutely. You know, if they're young, they've had one pregnancy, they don't tolerate urinary incontinence anymore. Like it's mm-hmm. unacceptable to, you know, accept something as part of the process, mm-hmm. like childbearing. It's yeah. crazy how many women come in and they say, well, my doctor just told me to wear a pad for my stress incontinence. I'm like, what? Why, yeah. why is that a solution? Mm-hmm. Just wear a pad. Or an adult diaper. So we'll get a lot of... At, at, at 35 years old? I mean, right? You'd yeah. be surprised. Yeah. You're kidding. How many women are like, my my doctor told me to wear a liner. I'm like, what? Like that blows my mind that women wow. are being told that. And we looked at a study not that long ago, and that was the number one. Like 80%. Yeah, like 80% of physicians are recommending adult diapers or pads. For urinary incontinence, for stress urinary incontinence, eighty percent, and that, that was, was like the top recommendation. Twenty nineteen, like it wasn't that long ago that Mm-mm. it was that survey. It blew our mind. We're like, that is the most ridiculous thing when there are so many options out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it, you brought up urinary incontinence. One of the things that we do that kind of has the side effect of helping stress incontinence is a tummy tuck, mm-hmm. because you're part of that. Stress incontinence is, yeah, is, is loss of, you know, abdominal pressure from increase in domain so that faster Mm -hmm. the muscle layers stretch out. And so by fixing, you know, your, your rectus or your six pack muscles, you increase that pressure and can help for mild urine incontinence can treat it. 
Wow, I didn't so, even think about I that. I didn't either. We yeah. talk a lot about platelet-rich plasma, mm-hmm. the OSHA. We yeah. talk a lot about radio frequency. So we do Votiva for, and we talk about microneedling internal and external. So that's one thing we've never really, that's yeah. ever crossed yeah. my mind for women. Yeah. We even talk about uh, Kegels, right? So yeah. there's lasers out there to help. Do a hit workout for your vagina with yeah. electromuscular <laughs> sk- stimulation. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of things out there. We have probably a full suite of things for women's health, but that's one thing I've never really yeah. thought of for them to address. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was almost thinking it would lift overall, but you're you're talking about you're containing, it's, and yeah. so it's going to improve all of that. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a pressure it's a pressure. Yeah, solution. and I almost want to get on into that abdominal plastier or surgical options, but also even body contouring. But I don't want to take away from the sexual just yet because it's interesting because people come to us with like a weight loss issue or, a, you know, an issue that needs more than just body contouring and body contouring is awesome, mm-hmm. but there's a, an extent, you know, there, oh, yeah. it's beyond sure. a level sometimes and they need surgical. And we could talk about that too, because I'm always very realistic. We are here you know, you can spend a lot of money doing body contouring, but if it's a circumferential thing and it's like skin excess, it's not something That's, we're yeah. not yeah. fixing yeah. that. And and skin skin excess and skin laxity. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're seeing that patient, that mm-hmm. hormone deficient patient with poor collagen and just floppy skin, even if it doesn't look like they've got a lot of excess. I see a ton of unhappy patients from cool sculpting or whatever. Oh, yeah. the, oh, we see you, a lot. You know, non-surgical. Yeah body contouring mm-hmm. where they're not like you are, where you're looking at the skin and the kind of making that assessment, but just saying, Oh yeah, toss them on the machine and we'll get rid of some of that fat. And then they end up either with no change or looking worse. Yeah, so, correct. Absolutely. And I think addressing that comprehensively, just like the sexual wellness or hormones and um, is important. So like, again, we'll do a lot of things like hormone, optimization is going to already increase muscle mass metabolism, help them lose weight. They're more energetic for a workout. We have peptides we can do, you know, so that then you're controlling all the other aspects of it. So we do that way before we ever got into body contouring, if there Mm -hmm. was weight loss that needed to happen first. But again, skin excess and laxity is not something, you know, that can always be corrected. And those patients were saying, this is surgical. Yeah. 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 Well, and just making, again, it's about them getting the results they want. And if you can't provide it, we need to tell them. Right. There's because otherwise they're unhappy and you don't want unhappy patients. They want results. So if they decide to proceed with something, despite you telling them, that's Mm. one thing, but you got to be transparent. Yeah. And I think in our industry, honesty is, is with anything. Honesty Mm -hmm. is is kind of first priority with everybody. Faraday, you, you, again, you tried to sneak another one by me. <laughs> okay, the O shot. What, you hear, what is that? So I we can't imagine your, oh. catching you that you try yeah. to sneak in. <laughs> I just throw those things yeah, out like, there. We got all like kinds roll, of stuff. It just like rolls off your tongue. I'm like, wait a second, what is that? Yeah, so we take platelet-rich plasma. So we take mm-hmm. your blood, spin it down, take the platelet-rich plasma from there, and then we re-inject that into the clitoral hood and in through the G-spot. So we are helping build collagen elastin, supporting that urethra, and it helps a lot with stress incontinence for women. So we get that orgasmic improvement in strength, and then we also get to help support that collagen elastin build in between the anterior vaginal wall and that urethra so it helps help some of that incontinence in life and like nerves and blood flow so nerves and blood flow of course everything so prp started in orthopedics Mm -hmm. you know with all of the growth factors and prp and platelets so when we take that injected vaginally we're doing it right through the Mm g-spot and into the clitoris so you're going to get nerve regeneration and blood vessel regeneration so you have increased blood flow which is lubrication increased sensitivity and again collagen elastin support of the urethra so orgasmic, the O-shot, you know, so yeah. just, I mean, women love the O-shot and I love, we love it's to It's a double it whammy. With, yeah. Orgasmic yeah. strength and stress and And stress incontinence. <laughs> yeah. And it's not going to do an overall tightening of the vaginal wall. So like when you're talking about laxity, we're not going to be addressing that with an O-shot. We love to pair O-shot with our vaginal rejuvenation because- you're going to basically do something to the vaginal canal. Usually it's heating in some way. So we have three different devices. So it's either RF heating, RF 
heating, but we're penetrating. So like a microneedling in the vaginal canal and then, or we're doing the erbium, you know, which Mm -hmm. we're penetrating with heat, telling it it's injured. So you get collagen elastin stimulation, Mm -hmm. tightening, and then blood flow and nerve sensitivity. And then we dump a bunch of growth factors in with the first treatment so that we have the shot going with the first treatment with amazing results. So how do you do anesthesia for that? Because I would imagine that just sounds like it would hurt. No, topical and a little bit of lidocaine. Really? Mm -hmm. A clitoral block. A clitoral block. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Just like with do. the P yeah. shot for guys, we do a P yeah, now. Yeah, we do do we do do P shot too. Okay, just go ahead and lay it on me. He's like, <laughs> they I say like that. zero, maybe one yeah. from that initial injection from the lidocaine for the penile block. Maybe a one, but most men say on a pain scale of zero to ten, they're a zero. Okay, and and what does that do? So, what does the P shot do? Same thing for women: increase blood flow, right? Elasticity, build that collagen elastin, help with erectile strength, blood flow, all of that. We're doing it, and we're usually pairing it again, like we pair women with Votiva or Morpheus B. We're pairing it with like a Gaines Wave treatment. So we're trying to improve that blood flow, and then trying to get that vessels right to repair and hold all that blood flow in. What is Gaines Wave? I don't. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, we're just opening yeah, your like, world yeah, into like, all I'm the sexual wellness. So this is what we so do we, yeah. here. So we again talk about sex all yeah. day long, all day like, long, you know, sex so and hormones. Yeah. With hormones, we're talking about sexual stuff, and so because again. People don't have a lot of places to go, right? Men or right. women. So, and we all age. We kind of talked about that earlier. We're all going to experience aging mm-hmm. with time. So, with women, it's laxity, decreased orgasmic strength, urinary incontinence, especially with hormonal changes or pregnancies. <laughs> Where men, it's inevitable too that eventually they're going to have decreased blood flow, decreased erection quality decreased reliability. So they might lose like morning erections or nocturnal erections, or they can't consistently keep an erection. Right. Women can so, hide it, but men can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everyone, everybody in the room knows what's going on with you. So, <laughs> so they have different things, but Gaines wave is an acoustic shock wave that basically is telling the tissue it's injured versus the laser for women. And so it's telling the tissue it's injured. So you get blood vessel repair. And again, the penile vessels are the smallest in the body. So they're one to two millimeters, coronary arteries, three to four, carotids even bigger. So it's a barometer of vascular health. So they're going to notice erection changes before they notice anything else. So you can do, so the earlier, the better. So Mm -hmm. if it's like, you know, I'm Maybe drinking, maybe losing an erection, can't keep it, but then maybe I'm not drinking. It's happening a couple of times. That's the time. Erections are changing treatment. in the morning. Noticing mm-hmm. minor changes. Mm-hmm. So you basically are doing it over the penis, over the scrotum to tell the tissue it's injured. So blood vessels and nerves. And then the smooth muscle, the corpus cavernosum, you know, you're going to improve the health of that collagen elastin. So when we get the blood flow in, we want it to stay. So the P-shot kind of focuses in on the penis and all the regeneration there. So likewise, we do Gaines wave, pair it with the P-shot. Dump all so those growth factors in. No, no man left behind. We can't do yeah. women and not men. We do right? women and men. Yeah. Yeah. Mind is blown. Yeah, I was, re- I was reading your, your website, and which is beautiful, by the way. The, Thank but you. I was looking, I was like, I don't know what half of this stuff is. Like, I've got a lot to learn. Well, we don't like learn, like, again, we don't learn hormones in traditional medicine. We're both Mm -hmm. traditionally trained and you don't learn it. And I think endocrinologists don't even know it because they frequently don't have people like don't have women as they age on estrogen or on the right thyroid replacement. So you have to almost branch out and learn it. But like what we're doing is on the realm of regenerative medicine. So lasers are regeneration. So now we're starting to talk about how to regenerate. And I think that's the next step. Like that's almost like a revolution in and of itself. Not the sexual one. This one might have boundaries, in us, <laughs> but this but one is awesome time. because you're using, you're basically regenerating tissue instead of sometimes cutting or using medicines for it. Mm-hmm. If it can, so if it's mild. So if they're coming for... I mean, it's almost as if menswa versus surgical, like your filler is augmenting what you're doing surgically and they're working together. Mm -hmm. And so that's frequently what we need for tissue function too. And sexual function is we need everything to work together. Yeah. And I, and and that's, you bring up the surgical part of it, that that's plastic surgery is moving, you know, has been moving in a regenerative direction for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're seeing more and more regenerative treatments Mm -hmm. kind of take over. You know, it's unusual for me to do a facelift now without pairing it with fat injections. Fat grafting, 
to the breast, to the buttocks, all over the body has kind of become really standard in a lot of practices. Or even more contouring, probably with Mm -hmm. filler, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. Or regenerating with lasers, so it's a more comprehensive treatment Mm -hmm. than it ever was before. So they went Mm -hmm. to surgeons for surgery, and now that's a comprehensive treatment. Right. And it's almost as if that's all that's offered. You know, they're probably going to not be as completely happy with the results because you're going to pair, you know, some contouring. So that looks great, but let's add some contouring or laser regeneration and all that. So it's kind of the same with us. It's the and again, back and the to cell health too. We got to add those hormones back in. We mm-hmm. got to treat that base function of that cell. We've got to make it as healthy as possible, make body as healthy as possible so that when we're doing these treatments, we're not seeing regression sooner than we should. Yeah. And then actually when you're talking about building bones, so like, again, when it comes to the earlier women are on hormones, so as soon as they can be, the better. So perimenopause, 40 to 55, seeing it younger now because we don't produce hormones like we used to, toxicities that we're exposed to. But the earlier you replace progesterone and testosterone and the perimenopause, the better, because the only thing that maintains or even builds bone. So if they have like low DEXA scans and their osteoporosis or osteopenia, you can actually build bone with hormones and hormone optimization and vitamin D. So that's the other thing we don't ever think about. It's a pro-hormone, but it actually builds bone too and supports bone health. So then they get less bone resorption with time. It's still you're still gonna have aging. You can't correct everything, but at least you can support and slow it down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Another question, kind of not to shift gears, but a lot, but shift gears a little bit, is uh, you've got a really comprehensive lab in the back of your clinic for IV therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's been something that has been talked about a lot recently. How can IV therapy help in the kind of the post-surgical period? And I'm kind of being selfish thinking about my patients mm-hmm. recovering from, you know, three, four, six hour operation. What do we use? When do we start? You know, how can we, what do we need to partner Mm-hmm. to help optimize post-surgical recovery. So you get all that recovery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So high-dose vitamin C has been shown in lots of studies to, to promote healing after, mm-hmm. mainly because it's an antioxidant. So it's, you know, decreases inflammation, oxidative stress. All of that is happening post-surgery, right? If they can do it before and almost immediately after, there's no complications. It doesn't increase bleeding rate, nothing. So it's not going to make anything worse with surgery or in the recovery period, but can significantly improve recovery times because it's Mm anti-inflammatory. And so you get that inflammation and that's mainly what causes swelling and pain, right? And at least I'm thinking they can't decrease or they can't move like they used to because it's a lot of pain and swelling. Mm -hmm. And so that's high just vitamin C all the way. And in fact, used for cancer therapies Mm -hmm. or at least preventing side effects with chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's lots of benefits to just IV, promoting healing and making your patients get better faster. Absolutely. Maybe come wobbling into the post-op <laughs> you know, appointment because that's probably a yeah. very hard appointment, yes. you know, and lots of pain with it. So yeah. here we put together all the drips. You can actually even talk a little bit more about so that. So we do a ton of different IVs. We do, um, like Dr. Jer said, the high-dose vitamin C. We do kind of like a souped-up Myers cocktail. So all of your B vitamins, some minerals. We do glutathione added on to a lot of our IV drips. Um, there's alpha lipoic acid. So a lot of things to help with antioxidants, healing, just overall to feel better, getting that energy back. Um, we do NAD drips. So that is also DNA repair, just quite a bit. We customize a lot of stuff. So even for our athletes, so post-workout for recovery, we do amino acids. We add glutamine, arginine, lysine, valine, and I'm missing one, but there's another one in that mixture, carnitine, to help with recovery after working out. So we have a pretty extensive IV lounge here that we are sitting in today that our patients can come and be be here anywhere from an hour to six depending on the drip. That's wow. a pretty comfortable place if like, they're pissed off and a little uncomfortable. We have some rooms too, but the history of IV therapy, because it's interesting because it's been used for a while too, but because nothing is drug company sponsored or supported, mm-hmm. you don't, yeah, no, it's yeah. all about the money. And if you follow the money, it's yeah. so easy, but now they're actually, I think in 2021 or maybe 
the early part of this year, they just came out with high dose vitamin C as part of cancer therapy, like not just preventing side effects, but cancer therapy. So some studies recently in just using high dose vitamin C for cancer therapies, not just in like an adjunct to cancer therapy or preventing side effects. So it's been around for a long time, but because drug companies don't support, can't do studies, it isn't as promoted as it's going to start being, I think. So what typically would happen is regenerative medicine doctors, the ones that are doing like all the the functional medicine Mm -hmm. doctors. And again, that's not us. That's doctors that are doing like really sick patients with, you know, Lyme disease or something mm-hmm. big and they're working through it. And it's a lot of work to they get a ton with that. the gut health to, and the microbiome yeah. and all yeah. of that. Very they need extensive. to have all of, I mean, they're very good at what they do, which is why, because it's so detailed. And yeah. so mm-hmm. they have to specialize in it, but they would do drips to treat those patients over like maybe four hour periods. So I did my training and learned these long, very complex drips and multiple trainings. And then I realized Nobody's staying here for four hours to get an IV therapy drip. So I basically took and reformulated those to go over an hour. And it's based on osmolarity and blood. And so like if you're giving lactated ringers and normal saline, it's like approximately 300 milliosmoles per liter. So your drip has to be close to that too. So that's the nice thing about it now. It took a long time. It took me about a year to formulate prior to even this being open. And then she does have a pharmacy degree. She doesn't talk a lot about that. She was so first like, a pharmacist yeah, so before I mean, a physician. Well, so I got very, so like she so, talks about yeah, it, like, no big yeah, deal. Yeah. I just created these. She's like a 300 milliosmolar solution. Yeah. yeah. So well, I mean, so. it took a lot of learning, but it's yeah. very, like, I loved it. And as I learned what you could do with IV therapy, like, again, there was no way I wasn't putting an IV therapy lounge in this place because it's just an adjunct to everything we do. And so we do formulate, customized so we can change because we know the science behind it. So high dose vitamin C is technically 25 grams, but we can do 50 grams. We can do 75 grams if we wanted to. So we can customize, which is nice. And those might take a little bit longer Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. because of side effects. And then our NAD bags do sometimes go four to six hours, but the majority of them are great. Like again, it's used for like addiction, alcohol, Mm -hmm. drug, you can titrate up and titrate down, but it's great anti-aging mitochondrial support too. And then I think the big thing for us for beauty is if you put glutathione in anything. So for you, like mm-hmm. recovery post-op, yeah. you know, they as soon as they can get in, and they should always do one before because it improves it already. Because every like vitamin C and high dose concentrates in the white blood cell, so your immune support and anti-inflammation is highest in that perioperative. And then Mm -hmm. if they can get one after, it's even better. But a lot of times they're in pain and it's hard to do. But then glutathione, because it's the master antioxidant. So all of Hollywood's doing the glutathione drips, like just for skin brightening and, you know, making everything brighter and lighter and... And so that's a big selling one too. People come looking for it. Great for because, aesthetics, but also mm-hmm. just because it's an antioxidant. Yeah. yeah. It's wonderful for the body. Mm-hmm. How long before surgery for, for some of these, you know, glutathione, vitamin C infusions, how long before or how close to their surgery would you recommend somebody so come here? So I would do it within 24 hours really? of their surgery, like right before. It's not going to interfere with your surgery. Okay. Um, and of course, everybody right. out there, talk to yeah. your surgeon before yeah. you go yeah. and get yeah. an IV. I feel like we yeah. have to say yeah. those I mean, things, of course. Well, but absolutely. I mean, you don't want to let your your surgeon not know what you're doing. Exactly. Right. Very they, important. They You might find out they won't do surgery when you should. Right. Exactly. I'm like, I throw that little caveat out there. Yeah, I would Always double check with your surgeon before you do that. But we do see patients here pre-op and post-op and the other interesting thing is like peptides like so again there's like two peptides in particular that come to mind with this and so it's all part of that regenerative and once Mm -hmm. you hear about it you'll be learning i know you you'll be like like reading all all about the peptide everything like and again as that regenerative medicine thing just expands and blows up like you can't help but get excited to learn more about it. And I think Tony Robbins' Life Force book is like kind of bringing that to the public. Sums it so all if we don't nicely. keep up, if we don't keep up, they come in asking us about certain things that we don't know anything about. So you almost have to stay up. Mm-hmm. But, and I know you, it won't, yeah, it'll be on the way home. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. His, well, you, you mentioned Tony Robbins' book. It's it's like on my Kindle is like yeah, next yeah. up. So Yeah, yeah I just He's started reading it. I've yeah. had so many patients come in and they're like, have you read it? You know, so as soon as I hear that and I started listening and it's 
exactly what we would love to learn about. But peptides are like, again, one of those regenerative medicine type of things you can do. Mm-hmm. So BPC, CJC, have you heard anything no, about this? No, only, only the letters. Us peppering but, yeah, it in, yeah, here and yeah, there, yeah, conversation. Yeah. But, yeah, talk to me a little bit about the peptide. So growth hormone, for yeah. instance, like the growth hormone thing is like in the 90s started to be more restricted. Mm-hmm. So before that, it was being used for injury. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of athletes with injuries, they would go on growth hormone and obviously it has great benefits. If it could be a drug, it would be perfect. It'd be a perfect drug because it has, you know, decreased inflammation, healing. I mean, it does everything that testosterone does, but better. So libido, brain fog, energy, healing, decreased inflammation, um, endurance profiles. Yeah. Decreased injury. Now it's restricted and you can't use it much, but now there's a peptide that can increase growth hormone. So CJC 1295 and Epimorlin is will help the body increase its own naturally. So we're not giving it external. So we're not shutting down the body's production, which is so important. We're just supporting its own natural production. So it is not something you have to worry about being on long-term. A lot of these drugs that shut down the body's natural functioning, you've got to take that into consideration when you're starting a patient on that because you don't want to do long-term damage. This is one that it will promote the body's own natural increase in growth hormone and mimic its natural rhythm at night and in the morning. So it's yeah. pretty cool. Interesting. So it's like it's like erythropoietin or EPO for the, mm-hmm. the audience who's who's kind of heard about that and to increase blood production. Absolutely. It's the same thing for growth hormone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So now cool. you can optimize not only hormones, and I always recommend hormone optimization first, and then we'll add growth hormone optimization. So CJC1295 is growth hormone. It looks like growth hormone. It's a shorter segment of growth hormone releasing hormone. So it goes to the pituitary, has the pituitary increased growth hormone production. We still have small spikes as we age but it peaks at 20. Mm-hmm. And so then it starts to go down, but they're still there. They just need to be stimulated, but not overstimulated and growth hormone. If you're giving it, it's doing the peripheral effects and then it's shutting down your own system where this increases your growth hormone goes to the liver and produces IGF one, which does all the effects, you know, mm-hmm. all the positive effects of it. So it doesn't shut it down. And it also doesn't overstimulate if it's dosed appropriately. And of course you have down regulation of receptors if you take it on a continuous basis, they used to um, cycle it every three months and come off of it for a month, but now you can do it. It's an injectable at home. Um, most of the peptides are if they're mm-hmm. really effect- effective. Five days on, two days off, five days on. And so it just stimulates enough, doesn't overstimulate, doesn't shut down. But now you have growth hormone optimization and all the positive benefits without the downside. Without the negative yeah. side effects. Now, is this another, you know, we talked earlier about being able to measure hormone levels. Is this something else that you measure and kind of track when they're on the the peptide treatments? So you don't with this. So, so it's a small segment. So even measuring growth hormone is expensive. And so this is growth hormone releasing hormone, but it's a small segment of it. So it's like 29 amino acids. So like you're not going to ever be able to measure that. But even then it was expensive. You Mm -hmm. can measure IGF-1 levels baseline and you can measure them post. The only Pre and post. We do it pre, Mm -hmm. finding that initial always as a screen. The the, the big issue is like pre, you want a baseline that tells you it's at least at a level you're going to produce so that you're pituitary is working enough and those somatotropes are working enough that they're going to work for production, but you're not going to get sustained. So by the time they're in here getting blood levels, honestly, you're not going to see a sustained because the half-life is 30 minutes, just like growth hormone releasing hormone. goes to the liver, produces IGF-1, does the effects, and then it's gone. And Tassimorlin was a third generation. So if anyone ever asked, like, Samorlin was first generation. Those so are the Arnold had, days. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> what the Samorlins? Yeah. 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 Well, and I think some places still use it, but it does have effect on prolactin and cortisol. And so it it's affects other hormones. So you have side effects with it. And then you have CJC, which is second generation, which I think is ideal Ipamorlin, for yeah. use. Tassimorlin was a third generation, temporarily not available, but because... It wasn't a regulatory, I think something to do with COVID, honestly. Most of the peptides, if they went away for a short period of time, was because somebody was using them, you know, in the COVID scenario. Somehow and, or another, yeah. and they got pulled. 
but it does get you sustained results with that, mm-hmm. which is really not what you want. So it was used in a more short term for somebody with maybe like abdominal, like metabolic syndrome. Mm-hmm. So if a man comes in or a woman again, like mm-hmm. with metabolic syndrome, you know, then that was a better peptide to use, but okay. short term though, yeah, not long term or CJC at the more line we can stay on long term. Okay. And you actually see better results long-term. When you say long-term, what's a treatment course? At least six months before okay. we tell everyone, give it at least three to six months to start seeing sustained uh, benefits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So six months is ideal. Like, yeah. cause you're going to get your biggest strides like Faraday said in three to six months, but you can stay on it indefinitely if you want, because it optimizes growth hormones. So it prepares your body not to get injured and your like endurance is better. Your muscle building is better. So honestly for women, and you can cycle them off and back on, but without tumor history, mm-hmm. then there's not that contraindication, but for muscle, for women as we age, You know, again, one of the biggest complaints is weight gain and body composition change. So that's why, you know, all of a sudden we're seeing sagging, we want arm surgery, you know, even the thighs, which I'm not sure there's a big, I don't know how much you can do for like above the knees and abdominal. And so this actually does a great job at body composition changes. But again, it's a slow process over time. Because you're optimizing growth hormone again. That's really interesting. I didn't, I was totally unaware that you would start seeing surface changes yeah. With oh, absolutely. With a, you know, peptide infused. That well, is really And then cool. is paired with <laughs> CJC typically, and epimorlin just inhibits the negative feedback on the pituitary. So basically, they're both increasing growth hormone, but they're used together usually. So very cool neat. Stuff. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, as you were talking, mm-hmm. you kind of mentioned the testosterone, and I had a question about testosterone and some of these like Propecia. Because I know a lot of guys who are in my demographic are concerned with hair loss or thinning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how does testosterone and Propecia work together? Can you can you get testosterone supplementation if you need it and still be taking Propecia for your hair? Do, do you need to? So we can go on forever. Yeah. Forever and ever and ever. So testosterone converts into dihydrotestosterone, which is 10 times more anabolic. And so when we're seeing our patients for testosterone, male and female, because mm-hmm. females can see that same yeah. because it's the same pathway, we're always looking at those DHT levels. So there are medications that can slow that conversion so that we're not seeing that excess hair loss. Um, there are some natural supplements like salt palmetto, right? So we put Minerals. patients on minerals. We put patients on some supplements sometimes to help with that, but spironolactone is great to slow that conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. We can also hit those follicles at the site and do topicals to help minimize that DHT response at the hair follicle site. So there is a lot of options there for men and women that we watch on the front end. So we grab those DHT levels on the very front side of it. Some of the patients we see that have come from clinics that are just running shots weekly, right? They're not looking Mm -hmm. at any of that. So we're correcting that when we come in. So I think it's almost like dosed appropriately, treated appropriately, followed appropriately. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Prevent any side effects that you're going to get and, you know, and dose appropriately so that you don't get um, also not just side effects, but adverse long-term effects. So I think getting more data points at the beginning, like a DHT level, what's your free testosterone, your binding globulin, like all of those are important. Dosing is appropriately done so that like, again, pellets, you know, is something that you make a small incision and you insert pellets under the skin that slowly release. And so that slow release, keep your levels up and keep them up versus injectable. So that once a week at the low T clinic, in and then down, in and down. And creams don't work. I mean, nobody feels better in creams, but they're like a variation. And so the more that you go up and down, we want testosterone. But if you're going up and down, you're getting those variations. When you're peaking, you're converting. Mm -hmm. So estrogen for men, man boobs, like we're very, because again, I want men to know that there's options. And so the once a week is not a good option. I mean, we do injectables, we dose it differently. Because once you get an adverse effect, it's harder to treat, like hair loss or growth or playing catch tissue. Yeah. And so... Or we're sending them to yeah. surgeons. Yeah. But again, it can. So DHT, even if not high, can concentrate in the hair follicle, like Faraday mm-hmm. said. And so putting a topical on like Propecia, but you never mm-hmm. want to take... The most important takeaway from all of this is you never want to be on Propecia without testosterone optimization because there are lots of studies that show erectile dysfunction that they report to be irreversible. 
So if you're not optimized, so self-treatment over, you know, mm-hmm. the internet treatments, like, Hey, I want testosterone. The, the, right. the him, I'm the gonna, yes, treatment. yes. Yeah. yeah. Not mm-hmm. a good option, yeah. you know, because okay. that's when you run into trouble. You want mm-hmm. to go to somebody you trust, testing everything, but also even if it's concentrating at the hair follicle, if you want to use finasteride, that's the way to use it because you're just using it topically and it prevents that conversion at the hair follicle. So That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's complex and like we, again, it's what we love, but like you have to know and manage it well to prevent because... And even then, sometimes we'll run into issues. So it's problem, troubleshooting, problem solving. You know, and a lot of that can be based on a conversation. And then good relationships with compounding pharmacies because those pharmacists have all kinds of fun little concoctions they they can make for us. Oh, I bet. Yeah. 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 And there's a couple really good ones locally that are a wealth of knowledge if ever, like, you have questions about Mm -hmm. dosing or a different route or... Yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just send it to you. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. 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 You send yeah. us yeah. the hormones. We'll send you the I'll just send this to you. That's, yeah. That is yeah. above my pay grade. Yeah. As you can tell by the questions I've been asking. No, no. I think it's a great conversation to have because like everything that you're doing, you know, is a comprehensive approach to yeah. it and knowing we yeah. treat the inside and the outside. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's the, uh, that's kind of the takeaway. That's what I've gotten from this is that aesthetics Kind of, they say beauty is skin deep. It, it actually isn't. It, it, mm, it goes, goes deeper. It goes Much way deeper. deeper. Yeah. And probably the best treatment is a marriage of the, you know, the surface treatments, what we can do with our lasers, mm-hmm. injectables, things like that, surgery, and then hormone treatments, peptide treatments, IV infusions. I mean, it's Absolutely. just overall horrible. wellness. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, it is. We want it's every patient wellness. to be the healthiest version of themselves they can be when they walk out these doors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. There is one that we haven't talked about. What? You know, I'm like, little, I know, you know, crazy. it's our favorite. So What's BPC that? is a peptide that we haven't. And this is actually a great oh. perioperative. There's yeah. just one more. The yeah. two peptides that really work are CJC for growth hormone. Yeah. And again, for even us, like, using peptides to optimize and, you know, we want to be our best selves for our patients too. And again, if we're living examples, they want to live it too. So like they want to see their providers doing the same things, right? Or having personal experience, they can talk about it. Yeah. So BPC-157, BPC stands for Body Protective Compound and actually decreases inflammation, wound healing. It helps with tendon healing and ligament healing. It is amazing. We see this for patients with acute and chronic injuries. We see a lot post-operative. We Mm -hmm. have some local physicians that will send their surgery patients to us for BPC to help expedite the healing process, the recovery process Mm -hmm. post-surgery. Now, is this something that you could do before surgery to Absolutely. And the quicker you can do it before, like definitely 30 days before, but if you can be on it even longer... Once you learn a little more about BPC, you'll love it as much as I do. Like it's again, just kind of all the peptides. It's probably the one that, you know, nothing in life is like immediate gratification, but this is a peptide that within two to four weeks, patients have relief of pain. Wow. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. It changed my husband's life. So personal experience, my husband was walking around with pain of seven, eight every single day on a 10 scale with chronic back pain. He was very active, athlete, very hard on his body. With BPC, he's down to a zero one. Wow! Just yeah. because of inflammation and the compression on nerves, and just overall, just that pain. Even in the if joints. they come in with an acute injury, so a lot of patients remote with BPC because mm-hmm. it's hard to get peptide physicians and appropriately prescribing physicians nationwide. So they will reach out remotely, even if they have like, so if it's local remote, they have an acute injury that they want. And again, they're on the internet, right? Searching. Mm-hmm. So they're like BPC, like what helps with, there's so much. Have you heard of Ben Greenfield? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he does like a blog on it and basically oh, yeah. says this shit should be illegal. It probably will be soon because I had improvement of this and this and everyone's talking about it. There is tons of stuff on the internet. So when they reach out, if they have acute injury that we're treating, if they have some chronic pain, it's gone too. But for surgery, the quicker you can use it before, and definitely 30 days is a good time frame. You're prepping the body. You can do it perioperatively. Again, no drug interactions. It's not a drug. It's not going to affect surgery. And then post-op, it allows inflammation, but not too much. So most of the healing, you know, that takes so long is because they're inflamed. They're, it's painful. They can't move in the orthopedic 
results are phenomenal. And so as orthopedic surgeons start to use it more and more, you know, sometimes they don't need to do surgery, but if they do, they're getting faster recovery times. Can you combine the BPC injection with a vitamin C infusion? Yeah, absolutely. You can combine it with CJC. You can combine it with testosterone. You can use it really in conjunction with any of the therapies that we do here. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. I'm I'm definitely going to have to look more into that. That's that's definitely cool. It's like it's one of my probably favorite. my favorite. Mm-hmm. Just like across the board with our patients. The end to talk I know. Food for thought. Hey, she snuck a lot in. She, she and she did. Like, yeah, Usually yeah, just yeah, like, oh, yeah. BPC, CJC. Yeah. yeah, she couldn't let yeah. Testosterone, P shot, yeah. you're good. Yeah. 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 There's your order. Yeah. What was the order again? I'll have to listen to that. Yeah, exactly. So, anything else you think we need to like for hormone or Dr. Hall? For healing, definitely. We've kind of hit the two main ones for. With surgery, with peptides, is that CJC, epimorlin, and BPC? But you would—it is amazing the BBC results, the feedback we get from patients. Just, it's been so life-changing for so many of our patients. I think that's why it's probably my favorite because you get quick results, and yeah. nothing in life is quick. And I feel like a lot of times we just put band-aids on things, steroid injections, right? Let's just yeah. stick some cortisol in it, and then we're just breaking down bone yeah. versus a functional change. That is really yeah, because that that's that is you know a lot and a lot of a lot of Western medicine is putting band aids on things, yeah. and so that this is exciting. It's pretty cool. When, and just knowing about. that there's so small a percentage of patients that your your surgical patients that are even hormonally optimized, and knowing decreased healing time, you know, anti-inflammatory effects, the healing times, the immune support, you know, yeah. just hormones alone, just knowing as your patients, you know, listen to this and, you know, we're prepping and as you're talking to them, I'm sure they, they have a period of time. Everything's a a wait time now, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, so they have that time where they can at least start thinking about it beforehand and help you, you know, get results that are quicker, for sure, more sustained, better, all that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that is certainly true. I'm like I said, I've learned a lot. Today. This has been a lot of fun. Um, is there anything from you have that your patients would want to know about surgery as it relates to hormones or just in general? I think the biggest ones are kind of, do we need to come off, right? That's yeah. always a finding a surgeon yeah. that is not going to freak out that they're on hormones, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. With pellets, we can't really remove the yeah, pellets, can't do anything about right? It. So if it's something where if we're doing an estrogen pellet, if we need to wait, what mm-hmm. does that look like for the patient? Mm-hmm. Can we go to a transdermal if we have to? And then downtime. I think mm-hmm. that's always like the biggest thing with patients too is, well, if I'm doing X, Y, Z with you mm-hmm. all and then I'm doing surgery here, what's my mm-hmm. downtime look like? How much time would I have to be off hormones? How much time do I have to wait till I get to the gym? Because mm-hmm. that's big. A lot of our patients are doing a lot of just mm-hmm. self-improvement. They're in the gym. They're working out. They're doing all that. They're working with a trainer, trying mm-hmm. to get those body composition changes along with surgery. Sure. So what does downtime look like? with most surgeries, timeframes. So it's, and that's a question that I get a lot. You know, we kind of go over in the consults and for most surgeries, I I guess a general rule would be you're pretty much off of anything for about two weeks. After about two weeks, then it's, it's kind of light exercise, thinking treadmills, walking around the block, maybe walking up and down hills, get your mm-hmm. heart rate up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But really six weeks is kind of the cutoff for intense exercise. I tell, okay. you know, tell a lot of patients, whether it's tummy tucks, breast surgery, facelift surgery, typically no lifting and no bouncing for six weeks. And then, no bouncing. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of any kind. Of any kind. Of any, Stay off the trampoline. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you determine what bouncing is yeah. for you. Right? So, you know, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's so six weeks out of the gym for sure. I want patients to be up and moving the day of surgery. You know, there isn't laying around is mm-hmm. where your complications happen. Mm-hmm. And so up and moving to a point. For someone that's getting a facelift or doing fat grafting into the cheeks mm-hmm. or into the face, how soon can they do laser resurfacing? That's it, a great question. It, it's a good, really good question. It, so it depends on what else is done. Injections typically do laser resurfacing same time yeah, where perfect. you, yeah, where you, you, the, the tricky part is with a facelift because you don't want to, you, you have to lift the skin up 
to reposition the muscles and do all Mm -hmm. the work that's needed to get the result. And you don't want to stress the skin by lifting it up and then set it back down and blast Mm -hmm. it from the top Mm -hmm. with a laser. And so you have to be really careful over that skin that has been elevated. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of matching the right procedure. You know, if we're doing a deep plane facelift, that is typically really limited skin undermining, you know, above the jawline. And so I can be more aggressive with laser resurfacing doing that is if we're doing a smaller facelift with less muscle tightening Mm -hmm. that relies on a little bit more skin undermining. Okay, gotcha. What about treatment for scars? How quickly for treating with either creams or lasers for scars post-surgery? Really? Almost after the the tape has come off. Love it. Um, Yeah. yeah, It is right after, you know, because that you're looking, you know, scar is essentially healed less than a week. If it's, you know, if the skin edges are put together right, you know, that skin has healed over in about 48 hours. We want to let it kind of thicken. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, once that tape comes off, whether it's a week or two weeks, you can start laser treatments (laughs) right then. But again, Mm -hmm. talk to your surgeon before lasering (laughs) a surgical scar. You got to throw that caveat out there always. Because we just, that's what they just said. We were a little mm-hmm. surprised at the most recent conference we we're at. They're like, as soon as everything's off. And we're like, yeah. it seems so. Even so like quick. vaginal treatments are like yeah. the day the baby comes out. I'm like, what? They're like in other well, countries. They yeah. were talking about more also stretch marks. <laughs> yeah. Like, so if you have stretch marks, as soon as you deliver. <laughs> Come on. Get on, you know, because they're darker at that point yeah. in the, the ribeye versus, yeah. you know, a scar tissue once it's white. So, yeah. Stretch marks are tough, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, stretch yeah. marks are tough to treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But we have, I think that we have some things for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that like just the the fractional like mm-hmm. erbium yep. is really good. Is if you know the better, yeah. yeah, yeah, fractional erbium, and then and then you know for the for the the purples or reds, mm-hmm. you, know, yeah. you can you can zap those. Yeah, you know, much with, much more responsive. Yeah. Yes. Too. So yeah. much better than the white. Yeah. Old. Yeah. Once they're white, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're in for kind of the long haul to yeah. get oh, yeah. to improve. <laughs> what about with the fat transfers? Is the fat transfer when you do it, is that like, how long does that procedure take? Is that an in-office procedure? Is there a lot of downtime with that versus like a surgical? So it, it really, it depends on what we're treating. If we're treating a small area, even treating an area like the backs of the hands, those are good in-office procedures. When we start talking about full-face rejuvenation with fat, it tends to be a little bit more involved. I like to do those in the operating room. The, the procedure length, if I'm doing it in, in our surgery center, which is right below my office, a full-face fat grafting session can take 45 minutes or an hour. Okay. It's, it's not okay. a lengthy procedure. In the office, it tends to take a little bit longer just because you're awake, we want to make sure you're comfortable. We're, things mm-hmm. are a lot slower because we're making sure that every little area is properly anesthetized before we do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the real recovery with fat transfer is not pain, it's swelling. Because mm-hmm. fat is, as you guys know, fat is very inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And so especially in thinner areas, so under around the eyes, okay. around the mouth, the lips especially, mm-hmm. they tend to really swell. And so you have to budget. I tell people, you know, give yourself two weeks wow. before okay. you're really out in public because you'll be noticeably swollen. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So it sounds like almost if you're going to do a decent area, the operating room is the better place to be for those procedures. It, it's, it's, it's much more, more comfortable. Yeah. It, it's just more comfortable. And I know some people and that's are... a huge part of it yeah. when these mm-hmm. are all, you know, mm-hmm. extra. Nobody has to. They're elective, yeah. right? We yeah. want everybody to be comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's surgery you want, not surgery you need. Exactly. Right? So the operating room is, is kind of my preferred venue. But if, you know, if the patient wants to and is you have to have the right temperament. If you're an anxious person, you know, <laughs> having... Facial fat grafting in the office when you're awake is not the right procedure. You're doing all procedures, all operations on at an independent surgery center. So like more control over even anesthesia and right and patients entering and leaving and much more private uh, circumstance than at a hospital. Right. Based. Right. Yeah. So our our office. I'm very fortunate that 
my office is directly above the surgery center. And the only thing that the entire building does is cosmetic plastic surgery. So we have the same OR team. We've got the same team of, of anesthetists. We've got the same nurses at the same building. That's all Everything. we do yeah. every day. And so we've really, over time, taken great pains to make the entire experience from kind of start to finish as comfortable, private. You know, you're not going to run into your friends or, mm-hmm. you know, we see a lot of nurses, a lot of healthcare mm-hmm. providers, physicians, and they don't want to run into no. their friends right. as they're <laughs> asleep and half naked and, you well, know, having cosmetic go, surgery. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. Or go, or go to, to the hospital. A yeah. separate <laughs> registration area. And then you're in a waiting room that's public. And so yeah. there's so many downsides to doing it yeah. at a hospital based. Yeah. It's, it's really, surgery. it's really been a, been a fantastic setup. That's awesome. I love it. Now I knew that was a huge advantage, like yeah. big yeah. advantage. Because yeah. a lot of patients, I mean, again, just like you said, they want privacy. Yeah. And that hospital experience is anything but. Plus, you're stuck with hospital equipment. Mm-hmm. You're stuck and with hospital guidelines. And hospital guidelines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. so the requirements. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our surgery center, to speak to that, you know, the surgery center goes through the same accreditation process that the hospital does. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah, so from, from a safety standpoint, from all that is exactly the same. It's just that. Administration. There we go. That was a nice, that was a really nice way of putting that. That was very PC. No, I think that in addition, though, I think you have, like, even though you go through the same accreditation process, you probably have better treatment protocols, anesthesia protocols, a little bit more stringent recovery, like things aren't controlled. So likewise, it's it's, it's geared towards Mm -hmm. aesthetic patients. Yes. Love it. So it's a big difference. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. It's really been been a fantastic setup. That's awesome. So, well, awesome. So it sounds like we've like covered a ton. I love it. This, yeah, yes. this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, this we're going to a lot of fun. We're doing this again. Absolutely. Um, Let's do for it. Sure. So I thank you so much for being part of this. And, oh, well, thank you. And actually initiating. Like, I love it. That's perfect. We have so much to cover in the future. Like we can talk about so many different things, oh, different procedures, different, different yeah. lasers, different treatments. Yeah, and I'm we sure do whole shows. On yeah, this. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We might even, if we're doing like a RevMD, you know, just an open forum and we need a guy present for, you know, the guy opinion, we'll bring Dr. Totally. Hall on, right? Totally. Yeah. 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 He'll let us know for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Well, again, listen, subscribe, share with friends, leave some comments or even your experience or questions. And we're willing to deep dive into anything wellness and aesthetics. And thank you, Dr. Hall and Faraday for making this such an interesting uh, segment and podcast. It's been wonderful. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you both. All right, everybody. I, I need that little exploding head emoji. I learned a ton on that show. I hope you guys had a, had a good time. Um, please, if you haven't already, ring the little bell on YouTube, like it, subscribe it, share it with your friends, and we'll see you at the next show. Thanks for listening to The Trillium Show. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at jhallmd.com. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to connect with us on social media, you can find us at jhallmd on Instagram and Twitter and Dr. Hall Plastic Surgery on Facebook. Remember, be the change you wish to see in the world.